Hello and welcome. I'm Alexander. I'm Simon. We are Native in Tech, covering the latest from the IT industry with a specific focus on Microsoft and how to get actual value from technology. This is episode 239, recorded on September the 26th, 2023. You will be able to find this and our previous episodes on nativeintech.com, iTunes, Spotify, and on most podcasting platforms. Um, I, I just realized that I forgot one thing the last time we recorded. Uh, and that is a, a slight uh, apology for audio. So a long story short, I've been essentially, or we were essentially evicted, me and my wife, and then we have done some interesting uh, things in order to find a new place to to stay. We are now at that new place, which is phenomenal, super, super happy. But it turns out that it takes a while to get all the crap that I use to record up and and sound treat their room and all those things so not quite there yet my uh, my apologies we're, we're we're working on it we've, we've been here for three whole days now so i i really should have done this properly and if you are one of those listeners that don't have a clue about what alexander is speaking about when he talks about bad sound just remember that alexander might have the best ears for a a person his age on the entire planet so, and a lot of opinions. Yes. So uh, we, we are very glad that he's managing the sound for us because no one would ever have anything to complain about other than Alexander. Yeah. Which kind of <laughs> brings us to the, the topic for today's rant. Uh, I'm sorry, focus oh, segment. Oh, sorry. <laughs> so I want to bring up something that it has so many bottoms, so so many so many so many layers. This is essentially a, a um, an onion, and that is, in in my view, why are we allowing cloud companies, especially they're way worse than than uh, your your old style when you got a CD or your download tools. Why are we allowing them in the age of cloud to use paying customers to do essentially beta testing? And what I mean with this is there are so many examples of amazing tools. Don't get me wrong. I love them. But they are anything but done when they are released. Okay, some go out in public preview. And you know that you're essentially handling a live grenade but you have some expectations of a public preview, it should not necessarily blow up in your face. If it does, okay, it sucks to be you, but it happens. But when something is released, at least in my view, and that's my experience of 25 years in this industry, is that I can reasonably expect the thing to work and I can expect the thing to be reasonably complete. And that is where, in my view, we're looking at a huge deficit. Do you remember uh, Azure Synapse Analytics? Yes. We were in in Florida when that was announced. Mm -hmm. That was the big thing. Yep. Rohan Kumar went on stage telling us that this was the new integrated, uh, essentially the, the end game of analytics, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going to come back to the fact that we now have Fabric, which is the end game of analytics, but leave that where it may. So what was it that was 
released, and I use enormous air quotes here because mm -hmm. th this, this irks me. What was released was essentially Azure SQL Data Warehouse, a product that had been around for years, duct taped to a reasonably well-working Azure Data Factory, and then rebranded as Azure Synapse Analytics Pipelines mm -hmm. and some other bits and pieces. That's mm -hmm. it. That was the end game analytics platform, the unified, the whole shebang. Mm -hmm. Now, today, Synapse Analytics is a phenomenal platform, just like I know that Fabric will be in a year's time. And sure, Fabric has come a long way since it was released in, in public preview uh, a while back. But it is very, very close to being released. According to the Microsoft event um, site, it is slated for release on October the 10th. So I can guarantee you that come October the 10th, there are so many things in Fabric that simply do not work as you would expect. And this is frustrating. Mm -hmm. Now, that was the rant part. <laughs> oh, I expect it to be much longer than that. <laughs> I had an interesting conversation with a, a friend today over lunch, and uh, we, we talked about the way of the world, so to speak. This is the way of the world. We, we somehow allowed this to happen uh, a while back. Now this is norm. People are expecting this. When I was starting out back in the mid-90s, Betas, well, you didn't touch betas with a 10-foot pole anywhere mm -hmm. near production. Now, I have people running private previews in production. Mm -hmm. That's the way you do things because mm -hmm. you're, you're optimizing for a new goal. Mm -hmm. Remember how long we had between major releases of, of operating systems and yeah. my, my side of the defense, the, the database releases. I could re simply run uh, Oracle 8 for, for four or five years before Oracle 9 came out. And mm -hmm. that was the norm. You had a number of years. Yes, you had service packs. Yes, you had um, upgrade packs. But they were relatively small. But the big things, that was years. Now we get the big things, like every five or six months. Do we, and th this is a question, I, I don't expect mm -hmm. you to answer it, but I think it's an important question. Mm -hmm. Do we really, really need this speed of innovation considering what it costs us quality-wise? Now, you're talking to the person who were absolutely convinced that Microsoft would keep up releasing three new versions of Windows every year and still thinks that that is a good idea. But... The difference with Windows were that you had choices. You could choose how quickly you were supposed to go. Now, most organizations didn't want to go anywhere as fast as, as Microsoft allowed them to. Uh, but I do think they also had like the insider program were your ability. And it was recommended by Microsoft to be part of that for parts of your organization to be ready for when the feature update actually were released and i think that is the big difference if you compare that to uh, synapse analytics and fabric and everything you only have one service you do not have an alpha beta testing stage you have one choice and that's it and then you might 
if you are part of any like preview programs and whatever, try new features that are part of the bigger platform, service, whatever it might be. Um, but you still have one production workload running regardless of what you want to test. And that is a, a topic we absolutely can continue on. Like when are things done and how long can you hide about, like hide behind we are using an agile approach or we're using whatever uh, to protect you from the fact that you're releasing unfinished solutions. So this this brings us to to an interesting conversation that I had um, again back in the late '90s when I, I started working with databases because I I, I did a stint at the uh, local university mm-hmm. and there is a law in Sweden that states that you are required to save um, data um, used f- for for public works for mm-hmm. at least ten years. Yes. Now. How do you read stuff from a storage medium that is a decade old? And we we ran into this. We were required due to a a, um, um, police investigation to pull some records. And they had complied with the letter of the law. They had backups. Mm -hmm. They had backups from, I think it was nine years back. Wow. But they had nothing that was able to read the storage medium. It was stored on, on tapes. Now, mm-hmm. in this specific case, we, we lucked out because the local computer club at the university, <laughs> they had one of these ancient pieces of hardware just lying around because they, they liked to tinker with it. And we, we could read it. And not only do you have the, the, the mechanical ability to read it, mm. But do you also have the know-how and mm-hmm. the big kicker? How would you go about reading data from a database that is 12 years old? Mm-hmm. Because the version was really, really old. Mm-hmm. Did we have the, the media? No. Were we able to find the media? Yes. And we're not going to talk about how. But <laughs> so th- these, are, these are things that are... are a challenge and they are completely at odds with this fail fast innovate like like crazy if it breaks we'll fix it and keep moving Mm. because it it messes with trust and if there is one thing that i am i'm very very concerned about then it is trust how Mm -hmm. can i trust my my data and how can i trust the result of of of, uh, analytics for instance when Things are moving at such a high clip that, well, we might just as well fall over. But if I can ask you a question then, do you think the problem is that we are now to some extent moving back to a more monolithic approach to the services in the cloud? Because what is Fabric? It's a number of services that you previously could build on your own it required more knowledge and skill to do so. But it isn't really introducing anything new. It's still the underlying components. So what the customers possibly are asking for is we want that ready-made monolithic solution where Microsoft takes care of all the moving parts and we want it now. 
And obviously we get into the same challenges when we have a monolithic software solution that is supposed to be released as a service as we have done for the last 30 years. Am I Indeed. wrong? No, you're, you're absolutely right. And yeah. so back in the 60s, probably even earlier than that, they had the whole concept of a, a mainframe and mm -hmm. dumb clients. Yeah. Then that went away because it was not the cool thing to do. You wanted the mini computer. You wanted to have power on, on the desktop. Mm -hmm. Then came Citrix and went, mm -hmm. well, wait a second, I have an idea. Then came virtual machines. Then, mm -hmm. so it, 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 history keeps repeating itself. Yeah. And as you say, we are now reinventing the monolith mm -hmm. and we're doing it with a lot of, of fanfare and saying that this is the coolest thing since sliced yeah. bread. We keep forgetting that we absolutely hated the idea <laughs> of the monolith. And that's why we had this disaster called uh, microservices. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it's it's we, we we keep doing the same thing over and over again. We keep calling it new mm -hmm. things, but we're we're making in many ways both the 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 same mistakes, but also reaping the same benefits because this yeah. is a cyclic industry. We we are yeah. looking at uh, the same problems through different viewpoints because mm -hmm. we have new opportunities with new new uh, and emerging hardware. Mm -hmm. But what I'm, I'm going at is, why do we have this? Why do we have this insane speed? And in my view, it's because of the optimization goals. If we optimized for sustainability, mm -hmm. we, I, I would argue that we would have a very different technical landscape. But now we are optimizing for money. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter if you're you're being paid through bonuses if you can ship software, mm -hmm. for instance. That means that you don't care one iota about quality. As long as you ship, you get paid. And that's your incentive for working. Now, I, I know that this, this is very pointed, but I'm, I'm using it as an example. It's all about the optimization goal. It's just like statistics. Whatever you're measuring is what you will find drives mm -hmm. the result. And that is what we are seeing um, here as well. And this, this, is, this ties back to my whole rant. Why are we in this situation? Because we have put ourselves in this situation and decided that this is the smart move. It's better to release fast than to release uh, with proper quality. Slightly slower, mm -hmm. but proper quality. Because someone decided that it's it's better from a financial perspective to get stuff out quickly. And if it, can this then be like you you and I are I think very clear on our views on the public cloud and all the benefits you can get from that. But at the same time, isn't this an argument for the people that actually thinks that the public cloud isn't a place to be? Because what options do you have if you are in a service? and you get a couple of really bad releases, or you don't get what you expected when you signed up for it and moved all your data to Fabric, what is your option? You exactly. already have spent so much money, and you're stuck. And the option is always, yeah, you can leave, but where would you go? You, you left for a reason. 
um, or you left what you had for a reason. And there aren't that many places you can go. No, and this this brings us to the discussion of what is cost, what is value, mm-hmm. what is money in this case. Mm-hmm. What do you what what do you value? Do you value the the um, the cool things that you get from a public cloud? Mm-hmm. Are you of the opinion that that value supersedes the potential cost you can face through bad releases or? or mm-hmm changes or security issues or whatever really and at the end of the day this needs to be part of a conversation when you decide where do you want to put your your compute Mm -hmm. and this is also why we are starting to see more and more repatriation where people are leaving the cloud and getting in their way of, of counting because again it's not it's not easy um and they're they're saving substantial amounts of money as opposed to running the same uh, mm-hmm. stuff in, in the cloud. Mm-hmm. Would, and I'm not certain if, if I'm comfortable with where I'm going here, would you actually be able to save money or optimize the workloads? It might not be cheaper, but it might work better if you were to actually do it as we always have done it, you have your servers, you have your databases, you have your pipelines, you have your containers, whatnot, and you actually do your utmost to optimize the workloads, would that be better than buying the fabric box where it's all done, but where you have a ready-made solution? Again, we are going back to the SaaS IaaS scenario but where we always have argued that you should move up the stack to get the best savings because you have an op someone that optimizes it for you but now we're again moving in the wrong direction and a lot of organizations are not prepared for fabric because they still haven't figured out how to do an optimized workload in that sense regardless now i'm deep out out of my comfort zone because microsoft 365 does not work the same way it is not one product it's a number of product teams that do integrations and therefore it's a higher quality and it's also been around for over 10 years no and and i i I agree with what you're saying and the the simplest example would be again uh, snowflake Mm-hmm. The whole premise of Snowflake is you don't care about how to do data warehousing. You mm-hmm. just throw data at it and you insert coins, mm-hmm. a lot of coins, and then it just works. And that's yeah. exactly what it does. And it works beautifully. You are paying through the nose. Yeah. But maybe that is a value proposition that works for you because you don't mm-hmm. need to train people. You don't need to set up things. It's not optimal. Mm. but define optimal. And we're back to the whole optimization goal. What are we optimizing for? And that's why it's so dangerous to compare uh, costs at a dollar or euros because you're very rarely comparing apples to apples, right? Yeah. And and we we talk about, uh, like, I can't remember if we talked about it or when I talked about it. It's time to value and it's not 
cost to value. It's time. Uh, and, and therefore, at some point, you stop caring about money until you run out of it. And that is really... We, we might take this in a completely other direction and talk about the differences between private and public sector, mm -hmm. where public sector is much more constrained because they need to take away money from, from things that actually impacts the people they are supposed to serve. While private companies are, again, optimized for speed. And they know if they reach a certain point fast enough, which is usually just before the end of a quarter or the end of a year, the stock price will go up and they will have compensation for all the money they've thrown at releasing something at a particular point in time. Now, this got much bigger than I expected it to be. I'm questioning my entire existence now. <laughs> no, and, and, and you're, 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 you're talking about capitalism. You're, mm -hmm. you're essentially talking... The, the I technical... like capitalism. <laughs> well, we can have an interesting conversation about that. <laughs> uh, but the, 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 this makes all the sense if we are looking at it from a financial perspective, as yes. in, I want to make a maximum amount of money, and that mm -hmm. means that I will be uh, paying for a while in order to recuperate these costs yes. down the line. Yep. Let's throw in sustainability and, and environmental mm -hmm. impact. Yes. Then the whole idea of this just becomes unsustainable. Yeah. And we could argue that capitalism in itself <laughs> is not sustainable from <laughs> any perspective, especially not from an environmental perspective. But again, let, let's let's not dive into no. that conversation. Th and, that and is not this podcast. No. There there are other podcasts for, for that um, with uh, much more uh, skilled people and more rants. But again, we're back to the whole optimization goal, and it is exceedingly difficult to change optimization goal because let's say that Microsoft decide from one day to the next that, no, we're not optimizing for performance. We are not optimizing for um, cost. We are optimizing mm -hmm. only for sustainability. Mm -hmm. And we we're not going to be defining sustainability because that's outside of the scope for this yep. conversation. But you you really can't do that because suddenly you are fighting uh, with one arm on your back. Mm -hmm. So unless everybody decides that, nah, we're going to shift this whole full speed ahead to let's do things sustainable, mm -hmm. it's it won't make um, financial sense. And we're back to the whole point. All all this comes back to financial gain mm -hmm. and and money. Difficult things. Yeah, but an interesting discussion. Um, and I like, we, we might sound very high up on our, our horses now, but I think this is where IT is now having such a huge role in the world. So we actually run into these questions because we know just looking at the AI, like I know, I know how the Azure data centers that run the open AI service looks. <laughs> and and the performance and the energy consumption of those things that we currently use for pleasure, creating pictures, asking stupid questions. Like 
I, I often get the question, are, do, you, do you ever have like climate anxiety because you're flying so much? Well, I think we have more difficult problems when it comes to sustainability than that, uh, given what we need to do in the future. And that again comes with for the benefit of speed and getting things out faster than your competitor or whatever it might be. So I, I think that regardless if we want it or not, or if this is entertaining or not, we'll be having those big discussions in the context of IT more and more often because it's such a huge part of the financial part of the entire globe as well as the environmental side of it. Yep, I'm, I agree. So th this was more um, fifty percent rant and, and fifty percent conversation. We can't solve any any problems, but I'm going to leave you with this, and that is that I think that this entire conversation is lacking in so many uh, so many discussions in, in so many companies. They are not looking at the whole cloud or the whole compute from all angles and I, I think that is that is unfortunate and and i know that we're running out of time but i just i saw some of your notes uh, and i do think that it also has something to do with one of the topics that we will talk about uh just in a in a few days when this uh, re episode is released uh, which is um, reputation and i feel that when we are as passionate it professionals wanting to go to a customer of ours as a consultant in, in our case and show a new feature in a new product which have promised us so much. It's our reputation that is at stake. It's not Microsoft, to be completely honest, if the thing doesn't work as intended. No, and it's funny you should say that because I've been burned uh, by fabric mm -hmm. twice. Yeah. Yeah. Once, that's shame on me. Mm -hmm. Twice, that's... Well, I really should not have done it twice. And no. <laughs> I, I, um, I listened to the hype. I did not do enough testing of the, the edge cases because I assumed that a new mm. product that was touted to be the, the new end game thingy would be able to do basic things. Mm. I was wrong. And that mm. bit me in the posterior. So yeah, I absolutely agree. It's about trust. And that mm -hmm. is trust in me as a professional and not necessarily yep. trust as uh, in, in, in a company like Amazon mm -hmm. or, or Microsoft. And that's yep. definitely something that we are going to discuss uh, when we chat about uh, trust in, and, uh, and reputation in uh, Mechelen, in, at Datamines. Yeah. So uh, just quickly before we, we sign off, at Data Saturday Utrecht, we're going to um, have security as our overarching theme mm -hmm. for that episode. And it's going to be the three of us, and maybe we're going to be able to find uh, an, a fourth person to have uh, with us on stage, but we will be discussing security, and there there's so many aspects to security, mm -hmm. and with us coming from three different uh, viewpoints, uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. And also taking questions from the audience and, and discussing mm -hmm. with the, the audience. And a couple of days later, we are going to the beautiful city of Mechelen in, in Belgium to Datamines Connect, where we will be talking about reputation. Mm -hmm. And this is not a super technical discussion, no. but it is a very interesting topic 
when you set it into in the context of a community. Because we, we're, we're going to be at a community event where it's essentially a, comp, a number of, of individuals and every individual has some kind of, of reputation and, and standing. And what drives that and what will you get from a, a good reputation or a less good reputation? So really looking forward to, to that conversation. And I think that's pretty much it. Or did I forget anything? No. Um, we always have the feeling that we have forgotten something. But when we remember it, we have a half an hour of more content to talk about. Yes, so I think it's so good that we both are getting older. Please don't remember anything. Yeah, kind of. Yep. So before we remember anything else, it is definitely time to sign off. Thank you so much for tuning in. This will be released uh just as we are gearing up to go today to Saturday Utrecht. Mm -hmm. And until next time, have a good one. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Need in Tech. Need in Tech is a bi-weekly technology podcast hosted by Alexander Abitson, Simon Binder, and Heini Hilmaninen. If you have any feedback, questions, or would like to be part of an episode, please reach out to us on social media or via email at podcast at ndptech.com.